Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Chris McDaniel with St. Louis Public Radio and Beyond November. Sadly, today, Jason will not be joining us. He is... In San Francisco. In San Francisco. But luckily, we do have Marshall Griffin from St. Louis Public Radio. He's our state house correspondent in Jefferson City. Marshall, we we don't have an expensive plane to fly you in, so we had to just get you over the phone. But I guess we'll get to that later. Yeah. Um, And and we're also joined by... Joe Manis of the St. Louis Beacon. Well, let's get right down to it. Since we have Marshall here, who is an expert on everything that's going on in Jefferson City. Marshall, can you tell us a little bit about this special elections bill that's been going through? Well, a, a little disclaimer. I'm not sure I'm an expert on everything oh, that goes on in Jefferson that. City. <laughs> but I probably do hear more than uh, than, than the average uh, person that hangs out. On Capitol. this show, you never deny being an expert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have, well, we have a lot of things, obviously, going on here this week. I suppose the the earliest, uh, as far as time-wise, would be the uh, special elections bill. That was, without a doubt, fast-tracked through the Missouri House. Um, it it uh, got a, a hearing. Got a, it got a hearing, I believe, last week in the House Elections Committee. Was uh, voted out on the same day, which is uh, unusual. Normally, they let the bills sit for a week or two before they vote them out, even the ones that they like. Uh, but this got voted out the same day. Uh, then the very next day, it was approved by Rules Committee, and then, uh, of course, this week it got uh, perfected, or you know, for the, uh, the layman's terms, just say first-round approval, uh, but they call it perfection up here, the uh, perfection process where amendments are added on, and then uh, got voted out uh, yesterday and is now over in the hands of the Senate, um, where I believe it may have been first or second read. I'll have to check their calendar to uh, to verify that, but uh uh, the Senate did not take it up today, obviously. Is there a timeline? Yeah, and then I was going to give a little connection to this for our listeners. Is there a timeline on when the Senate may take this up? Uh, possibly next week. Wow, um, okay. I, it's it's very possible. I have not talked to anyone over there yet to see how urgent an issue it is with the Senate. They usually take their time about uh, certain things, and sometimes a House priority is not a Senate priority, but uh, in this case I would think it uh, it would be. Um, I'm sure the Republicans in the Senate are just as eager to have this uh, this issue settled and as to whether or not uh, the governor would be able to appoint a permanent replacement for uh, Peter Kinder if uh, Mr. Kinder is uh, chosen to be the next congressman. Yeah, well, for the nominee for the 8th eighth, eighth right. Congressional District, well, there's 13 Republicans now competing. Kinder is one of the 13, but there are others, uh, including at least two House state. There are several state House members, but two that are definitely considered among the, quote, finalists are um, State Rep. Jason Smith, who happens who to be the sponsor of this sponsor bill, this bill. which is kind right, of funny, yeah. and, the, and Todd Richardson. And uh, one of the things that I'm interested, I'm interested in your take on this, Marshall, is that um, I know if the Senate passes it as well, um, because it'll be early enough in the session, the governor will have, what, 15 days that he has to um, take action on it. I believe so. And, uh, I, yeah. and, and since he has set the special election date for the 8th District, now this is to replace Joanne Emerson, who just stepped down a couple days ago to take a cushy job uh, head of a major lobbying firm in uh, Washington, D.C., that he set the special election date for June 4th, which was after she and some Republicans had wanted it. But what gets... 
what is interesting to me is that um, that, I think, kind of adds this other element to it because the special election is going to be after the session. So um, this takes this gives it time to either pass the Senate, maybe him veto it. Uh, maybe there will be an override attempt, depending on what happens, whether or not the House has the numbers. Um, so I, I'm interested in what sort of buzz you're hearing in Jefferson City about all this. Now, the, the Republican uh, panel that will choose the nominee is, is supposed to meet on February 9th. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's all this drama about it, whether or not Kinder will or will not get it. I was at one of the forums, and he did get a good reception, but I have to say, so did Jason Smith, and so did Todd Richardson. And then there's Lloyd Smith, the former executive director of the state party, who did fine as well. And then Sarah Steelman is in the mix. But I think that those who watched it would say that it might be that Kinder got a good reception, Richardson got a really good reception, uh, Jason Smith got a decent reception. I'm just, what's the Jeff City talk about um, the timing of the governor's thing and what may or may not happen with the special election bill? Well, I, I think that the general opinion here is um, is the the thing that is driving this is of course the possibility that uh, the nominee would be Kinder. And that there would be a, a need to get this out. At least that's what the uh, the backers of the bill are saying. Well, because they um, want to prevent Nixon from permanently selecting a Democrat. Right, and Nixon as a replacement. Uh, even though he didn't come out and say it, he was asked this at a uh, press conference, is one that I happen to be at. Uh-huh. Um, he, he did say, "Well, as far as, as far as I know, I, I do have the authority to appoint a, a, a permanent replacement. It's been done uh, twice before yes. in Missouri's history." So. Yeah, so there's that question. Uh, Jason Smith has said, well, you know, the, the law that, uh, that talks about this succession is not very clearly written and that his bill would clear that up. Of course, Jason Smith, one of the ones trying to uh, take Joanne Emerson's place as well. Um, the Democrats, actually, some of their split. Some of the Democrats have supported this bill, and uh, some have not. Uh, the most outspoken is Stacey Newman. She right. basically is saying if we had a Republican in the governor's office right now, we, we wouldn't have this bill. Right. We, we would, it wouldn't be pushed at all. Um, I, can, I can tell you this. Uh, we'll, we'll know the true nature of, uh, of this once February 9th has gone past. If, if uh, Peter Kinder is not the nominee, we may not see an urgency this, to this bill by that point, assuming it, uh, doesn't, assuming it hasn't gotten out of the Senate by February 9th. So if, if some Democrats are also voicing their support for this, are they going to be – easily able to overcome a, a veto from Nixon if he decides to veto it? Uh, that, that's a good question. Um, I mean, there are veto-proof majorities in, the, in both the House and the Senate, but, uh, you know, the, the House Republicans are, you know, may, you know, some of them may, uh, you know, defect and go the other way. It just depends. You know, some may have a, a particular uh, special interest somewhere and decide, well, maybe I don't want to see this uh, overridden yet. Um, I, will, I will say this. Um, it's it will be interesting to see what happens um, next week, uh, how fast the Senate uh, acts on this, if they act on it fast at all, um, because that's right now the, the, the ball is definitely in their court. Now, Jason Smith has been contending. I talked to him uh, in Cape Girardeau last week after the forum, the 8th District Forum. He's contending that he's gotten signals from the governor's office that the governor actually would be okay with this bill because it was changed so that 
he would still be able to appoint a replacement. It's just the replacement would be a placeholder and couldn't run permanently for the for the seat. Has there been any, uh, I mean, has Nixon or anybody else said anything about whether or not that's true? Um, well, that, it is true that that's the way the, the, the language of the bill is written. No, uh, but whether Nixon backs, I mean, privately uh, he backs. He has been quiet. He's not saying a word on this. Uh, I've, of course, I've not had the chance to uh, talk to him this week in person. Uh, certainly, you know, if uh, that opportunity arises, say, Monday before or after the State of the State address, uh, maybe we can get him uh, pinned down on that. Uh, but, you know, at this point, it would be hard to imagine him, um, you know, supporting the uh, supporting a bill that would not give him the authority to appoint a permanent replacement, or even if a temporary placeholder were allowed to uh, run for the office, um, you know, just say acting, but with the opportunity to become permanent. Because this bill would weaken the governor's power in that right. area. So it would be hard to imagine him actually being on board with this. Jason Smith's uh, contention that uh, Governor Nixon is more friendly toward this bill is based solely on uh, the provision that uh, the special election would take place in November, thus save the taxpayers money on holding a special election on a different date. But uh, that's irrelevant as far as whether uh, how much power the governor would have in appointing or saying who would be the next lieutenant governor. Right. Now, Marshall, uh, I understand that you're going to have to be sure to get plenty of sleep this weekend because on Tuesday you have a very early committee to go to. Isn't that right? And this uh, is yeah, another I guess election it, issue. I, yeah. I guess I will be pulling an all-nighter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And the night 29th. before is, is the state state of the state. So, yes, yes you will be pulling an all-nighter. <laughs> That's Yeah, very interesting that this uh, committee meeting is scheduled to start at 6.45 a.m. And what um, is this committee meeting? Yes, yeah, for it our is listeners. the elections committee, and I believe they're going to be hearing another photo ID bill. Um, now, this is to thing. require a, a government-issued photo ID, correct? Yes, uh, that is correct. Um, uh, something that the Republicans have been trying to get for years and um, have not been able to do so yet. Now, it, is there is there any provision in this bill as far as paying for these IDs? Because I know that had been the hang-up before. Um, I will have to look that up to give you an answer. Um, I will tell you this. Uh, the same thing happened last year. Uh, there was uh, This bill was for a similar bill was heard by the Elections Committee, and uh, that, I believe that meeting also started before 7 a.m. Don't quote me on the exact time. I want to say it started at 6.30 in the morning, maybe at 6.45 also. But um, I will say this, though. The meeting did run for two, two and a half hours. It was still going on at 9.30 in the morning. So any uh, late risers at least still had a chance to get in there and get their two cents worth uh, put in. Uh, But whether or not that happens... uh, Next week uh, remains to be seen, but it does seem to be unusual to hold uh, a committee meeting this early in the morning on um, an issue this hot. Yeah, now State Rep. Newman just talked to me before we went on the air, and of course she's one of the big critics not only of the bill but also of this early meeting, and she said that she had talked to the um, chairman's office to find out why they were doing it, and supposedly because they thought it might run late uh, as far as time. And, but she's contending that this isn't just about voter suppression, which is what, how she refers to the voter ID thing. She she contends that this hearing is witness suppression because many of the witnesses come from the St. Louis area, and they would really have to come the night before in order to get there because it's you know about a two and a half hour drive, 
and uh, otherwise they'd be pulling an all-nighter, just getting up and driving over there. Uh, is there much, much concern about this meeting? I mean, regardless of whether it's happened before, has there been much um, talk about this? At this point, no. I, I just found out about it uh, today. Um, That's when I saw it on Twitter, other, too. Other uh, stories. So I haven't heard a whole lot about this yet, but uh, I'm, I'm betting we will be hearing a lot about it uh, the rest of the week and, and, of course, on Monday. So how, how, how close was it to passing last year, Marshall? Um, it was, well, on, in one sense you could say it was, um, it was fairly close, uh, but in another sense, uh, no shot. Uh, it, it, of course, uh, drew partisan, uh, partisan votes. Uh, the Republicans voted yes. The Democrats voted no. Um, I, if I remember correctly, I will have to check to see whether it actually made it out of the Senate. Yeah, because um, don't they have to have really two bills? Because since the Supreme Court tossed it out, they still have to get it before the voters for the authorization. And then there's, they, the, yes. and then yeah. there's the procedural bill. And that's the one that the governor vetoed last time. But then the courts knocked off the uh, authorization from the ballot. So wouldn't it still have to get on the ballot either? In- it still would. And if I remember if I want to say that um, even though it uh, it got approval, the, uh, the 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 voter, the one that needed voter approval, right. it got through the House and the Senate. But I don't think it was. A, if I remember right, it was not on the ballot. No. Uh, well, that's what I was saying, because the courts tossed it off because the House and Senate can put something on the ballot without getting the governor's signature. But right. and, and they had approved it. So it was going to go on the ballot. But the courts tossed it off on some procedural grounds. And then in the meantime, they had passed the authorization bill, which the governor had vetoed. Right. And, uh, and that so, was in 2011, I believe. Yeah, well, they were going to put it on in 2012. Yeah, and uh, so um, this was a pretty contentious issue in the Secretary of State's race in 2012, too, between correct. Shane Scholler and Jason Kander. And Kander, of course, the Democrat, was against photo ID and voter ID laws. Well, as far as this one, I mean, yes. the main hang-up is that it would require. It's not just that you have to have a photo ID. It's just you have to have government-issued photo ID. Mm-hmm. And um, in order to get those IDs, you would need to have a birth certificate or something. And the result was they were contending this amounts to a poll tax. And um, so it's not just any photo ID. I mean, now, some states that have want, have such an ID and did get it through the Supreme Court, uh, this includes Indiana, where I'm originally from. Now, one of the a couple of things different about the Indiana law than the Missouri ones has been that Indiana's was a, was a little more broader. It allowed students to use their college IDs, and it had a couple other types of photo IDs that could be used. It wasn't quite as restrictive as Missouri's. Now, that one did get through the Supreme Court. Um, the provision, the bills that are floating around now and that are going to be the subject to the hearing next Tuesday, uh, Marshall, uh, are they any different than what previously has come out of the legislature? Is there any difference? I'm, I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I was, I was, look, I was actually reading uh, Tony Duggar's bill as you were talking. Uh, well, I, the provisions was... in this proposed bill, as far as what photo IDs would be required, what types, is it any less or more restrictive than the previous ones, which limited it basically to just a couple types of government-issued photo IDs. As I mentioned, in Indiana, they actually broadened theirs, and that's some say that's one of the reasons it got through the Supreme Court a few years ago. 
um, I, once I get a chance to read through the, the whole bill, I'll be able to answer that question. I, I am looking at uh, Section 1. It does say that all costs incurred by an election authority to implement the photo identification requirement must, must be reimbursed by the state. So maybe that's one way they figure they can get a little bit more friendly reception from, uh, from some of the uh, traditional opponents. Well, yeah, but there's also, as I said, the, even if the state pays for the ID, the state's not necessarily, unless there's a provision in there, the state won't be paying for, like, to get the birth certificates. I mean, because you, you do have to pay to get a copy of your birth certificate if you don't have one. And, uh, and basically, you need one to get the ID. This one hits very close to home because I just lost my wallet yesterday. So I'm going to have to be sure to get another ID before any sort of election coming up. But, Marshall, let's talk about the story of the week that's been yes. blowing up here. And it's not Beyonce. <laughs> and not it is Missouri. Not, not Beyonce lip syncing. We're, of course, talking about the $5.6 million plane. Tell us a little bit about the ownership of it, Marshall. It's a, a lot of Republicans are trying to say that it's Nixon's plane. Whose plane is it? Well, it is the uh, Missouri Highway Patrol's plane, which, um, depending on how you interpret that, the uh, the Highway Patrol is within the Department of Public Safety, which is one of uh, the governor's uh, cabinet offices. So I guess that, you know an argue, argument could be made either way as far as, uh, yes, it's the Highway Patrol's plane, uh, yes, it is the... Um, the Department of Public Safety's plane, and therefore maybe the governor's plane. Uh, it's, the uh, specification is that it was uh, purchased to be used by statewide officials, um, which le- leaves open the question that, uh, well, the lieutenant governor would have access to it, maybe the state treasurer, right. uh, secretary a- of state. But, attorney uh, general. Nixon, when he was attorney general, used to use the state plane a lot. Right. But uh, we, d- we do know that it w- its first use was uh, yesterday, and Governor Nixon uh, flew in it to St. Louis for um, his uh, education um, uh, event that was uh, held there today. Um, The interesting thing is that um, some uh, Republican state senators, Kurt Schaefer and Ryan Silvey, maybe a few Mm -hmm. others, um, made their way out to the Jefferson City Airport, um, (laughs) uh, purported to have uh, gotten into the hangar, uh, took pictures of it, got on board, took a picture yeah. of the mahogany bar The mahogany bar area. with uh, some, some <laughs> yeah. beverage um, dispensers, yeah. Yes, um, and uh, Ryan Sylvie uh, tweeted them out on his uh, Twitter account, and um, the, and they talked about it at length today in the, in the state Senate. Um, it came up uh, during the, uh, the slate of um, uh, gubernatorial uh, appointees to various offices, and one of those was uh, Doug Nelson, who has been acting... Office of Administration, or OA, uh, Commissioner. Um, his uh, confirmation is now being held up because of uh, this uh, $5.6 million Why? airplane purchase. Why are they holding it up? Uh, they're holding it up because they want to know uh, what the justification was. Was this a necessary purchase? Did the Highway Patrol really need this plane? Um, I believe one state senator said, um, you, know, you know, state prisoners uh, being transferred from one uh, correctional facility to another will now be able to fly in comfort. Um, <laughs> if, if indeed, the Highway Patrol uh, will be using it for you know things of that nature. Um, now the Patrol wanna... already has a plane, correct? I, yeah, I believe they do. Um, so that brings up the question: uh, Was there a need for an additional plane? Uh, why buy a brand new one instead of a used one? Um, so you know, a, a lot of questions being asked. Um, a few questions that were asked on the floor of the Senate today was. Uh, what 
what type of flight range does this plane have? Uh, I believe it was either Kurt Schaefer or um, I'm not sure who the other senator was that was speaking at the time. Maybe it was Eric Schmidt. Um, but one of them said uh, to, uh, to the effect that um, this plane could fly nonstop from Jefferson City to Mexico City on you know, a single uh, tank of gas or single tank of uh, aviation fuel, which uh, led to inquiries, well, could this plane also fly the governor to Iowa and New Hampshire in <laughs> the year 2016? And, you know, is that perhaps uh, part of the motivation for buying it? Um, now, uh, didn't they're, they're, Blunt... they're labeling some big accusations here. Now, if, if I recall, when Matt Blunt was governor, um, he actually sold the state plane, or at least the one that the statewides had been using. And I knew at that time the Highway Patrol had a couple other planes, but they were used for other things. Um, and then Blunt started flying on a private plane uh, that donors, different donors were providing. Uh, did any of the talk come up about the fact that they did sell one at some point about, I guess that would have been uh, seven, six, seven years ago? Uh, no, that that never came up in the conversation um, on the Senate floor. Um, I can tell you that uh, afterwards, uh, Senator Schaefer was pretty adamant that um, that Doug Nelson will not uh, be confirmed as OA commissioner until he has answers from the Highway Patrol uh, as to the, why this plane was purchased, who wanted it, you know, did the Highway Patrol want this, um, and if so, why didn't they come before lawmakers last year and ask for it in their annual appropriations? Um, Ryan Sylvie uh, was uh, critical of the process using, I believe, he said, rotating funds uh, that were available. Why why do it that way? Um, or did the request really come from the governor's office uh, from OA? Uh, they, some of them have accused uh, Doug Nelson of rubber stamping it uh, without really uh, looking, looking as to whether it was a necessary purchase. Uh, Kirk Schaefer has also said that he would like uh, – uh, Colonel Replicle to uh, come before um, the committee and maybe answer some questions on this. Um, we don't know yet if that's going to happen or when it might. I think if I was a Democratic politician in Missouri, I would stick to riding in the bus because it seems like every Democrat in Missouri has some sort of uh, controversy with planes, or it seems to be a recurring thing. You've got McCaskill, Nixon before, and then now Nixon again. Planes seem to be a recurring issue. Well, although in fairness, and this is to whoever uh, is holding statewide office, they do need a plane, access to some plane, to get to parts of the state. Oh, that, sure. That's I was just been, joking. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. But, but, I mean, that's why when Blunt, when Matt Blunt came in and then decided to sell the plane, but then he was using private planes paid for by donors, and then you couldn't find out where he was going or when he was going except to check his campaign reports. Uh, there was a lot, some controversy about that, and Nixon was among those, who was the attorney general, was among those criticizing it. Of course, it was pointed out, I mean, Blunt's people would point out that Nixon was using um, the state plane, and uh, he was saying, well, you need to to get to parts of the state. So the fights about planes, I mean, in fact, it goes back to even Mel Carnahan. I mean, this goes back 20 years where there's been fights about uh, state planes, and um who uses them and when and how much they cost. Well, that should just about do it for the Politically Speaking podcast. Marshall, thank you so much for joining us. It was great thank to have you. You. Um, you, can follow, you can read all of our stories at beyondnovember.org. Marshall and I are at stlpublicradio.org. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at CSMcDaniel. Marshall, what's your Twitter handle? 
Uh, it is Marshall G. Report. And you can follow Joe Mannies on Twitter at? Yeah, J. Mannies. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And Joe is also at stlbeacon.org. Correct. We'll be back next week. Joe, will Jason be back next I week? I think so. I think he will have finished his San Francisco uh, trek. He's if there. If he wants he, to come back, who knows? Well, it's a, he's there for a conference, and he'll, he'll come back with all sorts of knowledge. <laughs> yes. But until then, so long. So long.